I was really offended at something that I saw in the news. Anybody ever have that experience? And it became a big issue, and it really kind of, it, it just kind of tore me up. It was the issue over this dog that got put into the overhead bin. And they landed, the dog died. I mean, I was mad. I was mad for many reasons. One is the ignorance of people. Everyone knows what the overhead bin is for. It's for cats. <laughs> Boy, I already felt some hair going. <laughs> I mean, how we interpret life. And sorry, all you cat lovers. I like cats too. That's why I believe they belong up there. No, cats are fine. But it isn't interesting no matter what you're watching. Something can stir you because we have this side thing. And there is nothing wrong with having a conviction and a side that keeps you going. What is wrong is when the enemy could come in and start grabbing at your heart. And now anyone with that thing becomes an enemy of you. And now the devil is one. Because the devil is after you for something. So I thought this morning, should I deal with why we should forgive? Should I go deal with, with real issues of people? Because every scenario you gave me, I can give you a handful of people that will just make your hair stand on end if I told you what they had to walk out of and forgive. So I know this works, but I'm really talking about how do we, how do we get to the point? What, what is the real point of forgiveness anyway? Just letting them off the hook? I mean, if I forgive them, then it's kind of like a free pass. Like, what's going to happen now? Like, if I let this go, who's going to hold justice to them if I don't hold them into contempt for what's happened? But I want to separate something. Forgiveness and justice are not the same thing. See, a judge renders a judgment or mercy or a conviction. That's what a judge does. That's something that's kind of... It's not personal. It's just a fact, this or this. But forgiveness has more to do with who you are. It really doesn't even have anything to do with the person who did something to you. It has everything to do with who you are. And why do the offenses come to begin with? And I don't think we've really ever addressed why the offenses are coming. Why sometimes it's external, like it's just kind of this, I'm driving down the road, the guy cuts me off, I honk my horn, he gives me the, some kind of weird wave, and, and I'm not taking it too friendly, and so now you're getting bad, and then you drive up faster, and you hit the brake, you know, pretty soon. What are we really, what's going on? But see, it really has nothing to do with that. The surface things, the outside things, really aren't what's, what's going on, it's what's going on in here. Because the root of unforgiveness is enmity. And what is enmity? Enmity is when another force comes in and pushes you lower than what you were designed to be. See, I coach soccer, and our whole job is to offend the opponent. I'm very good at offending. <laughs> because if I can offend the opponent enough, they break down. I can get them internally fighting with each other. I can get them frustrated with us. I can get them mad at the referees. I can disrobe their, disarm their whole game. It's part of the tactic. You guys look at me like, this is what the other team's doing to us too. 
This is part, this is what sports do. So you're learning. So what we tell our guys is no matter what they do, here's how you respond to what they do. Get beyond, you know, we work something out that they take that and do something else. And then the, the opponent gets even more mad unless they have good control over themselves and they're not getting offended. But being, that's, that's what the enemy does. That's what the opponent does is to offend you. But what are they after? What is really at the core of what they're after? And I was looking at this and I was thinking of three main areas and our program deals with this, is when you were created in the Garden of Eden, and we're gonna look at this in Genesis. Actually, you can put up those three points, if you could, if you got them up there. So forgiveness begins with three questions, and we'll get to why. Who am I? What have I been given? And what am I to the world around me? That's when offense is after. It's after your name, it's after your authority, and it's after your inheritance. It's after something. The moment we allow whatever comes, however horrific that it comes, to create ownership in us by creating the enmity towards the individual. Now let me be very clear, there is, once you are free, it doesn't mean you don't make good, just decisions. You don't stay around an abuser. You don't, you don't allow, if your kids are being abused, you deal with that. So I'm not referring to the act you're gonna do, but the decision that you make, once forgiveness or once the resistance to be making it internal, personal, something about you, once that is removed and you let God take that over, now you can make the decisions that actually either one, removes it or sets it free. Now you're in a position of power again. Joseph was given, youngest son, given a coat, right? Everybody know the story? Okay. Was given a coat. Brothers came back, saw the coat, saw him making decisions, having dreams, letting them know what's going on in him, and hatred started to brew. And we could look at how bad they wronged Joseph. But how would you feel if you were the other brother? Or the other family member? You were the rightful heir. You were supposed to be given authority over the land. See, the robe was more than just you're my favorite son. The robe said, you have the authority over the land. He became the administrator of his family's property. That wasn't his right. That went to the firstborn son. See, we only look at this, it's easy to look in scripture and just see the one side, but we don't look at the other side of animus that started begin to birth. And in their minds, they were justified because that's what unforgiveness and enmity does is it creates a sense of entitlement and rights where you, you feel down here and like, if I can just get my rights back, then I can get back up there. But God doesn't give you rights. He gives you position and favor. I don't want to demand my rights because I'm going to be spending the rest of my life going after my rights. I live in a country with no rights. I am a guest of another kingdom, the kingdom of Thailand. I can't go demand my voting rights. I can't go demand what's been wrong to me. Uh, there's a limit 
of what I can do. There's some things I can do, but overall, I don't have the favor of the citizens of the country. And at any moment, they could change the rules, and we're subject to being moved out, moved in, because I'm just a guest of another kingdom. But if you're born again, you're of another kingdom. You are a guest operating within what you could do in this place. So I'm not offended when they do things. It's not my kingdom. I don't like it, but I'm not offended by it. It's not personal. I'm just not of them. So he gives us three things, name, authority, inheritance. We see that in Joseph. So Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent, see, might as well get to the beginning so we know. And we'll go through each book because we have the afternoon conference. Is that... Genesis 3.1. So you're going to have to go read about this. Never just take my opinion. Go dig around this whole thing. I might be taking it out of context. You never know. You better go read. <laughs> Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, uh, just ponder this for a moment. How many times are you going about to make a decision, and sometimes it's a hard decision. You're about ready to go do it. You see God speaking to you about it, and you go do it, and then all of a sudden this thought comes to your head. Did he really say it like that? I don't, maybe he didn't mean it like that. When he was talking about forgiveness, he wasn't really talking about me. He was talking about those scenarios like, you know, if they bump your car or take your card at the grocery store, or, you know, you're, you're waiting in line and they open up a new, a new register and they don't take the next person in line. They just call everybody else in and you're still stuck in line. It didn't help you at all. Those type of things we're just supposed to forgive and move on. By the way, if you work at a place that you're opening up a new cash register, take the next person in line. <laughs> So, has God indeed said? I want you to know Satan never came and said God lied. Satan never came to Eve and was direct. He put a thought to get her to rethink something. And this goes to guys and ladies. It's just referring to Eve at this point. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And I liked how he worded it, because that's not really exactly how the whole phrasing goes, but we don't have time to go into that. But I want you to catch what happened, because this is the root of the whole thing. We always look at it as the, the root when they actually partook of the tree, whatever kind of fruit it was. So I, don't, I don't think it was an apple, because we're allowed to eat those now, and anyway. <laughs> Shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So... What began to happen is she began to doubt something, but what did she begin to doubt? God's intention toward me. Wait, you, you told us that we were supposed to have dominion over the earth, dominion over the ground. We were to rule, that we would walk with you, that we were created in your image, and you called us good, and you were pleased. And here we're walking, and there's something starting to stir, and then Satan goes on further, have you considered the tree? Are you not supposed to eat that? See, God's holding out on you because if you eat of that tree, you'll be like him. And all of a sudden, the thought's going, man, there's a better way. But why do you think there's a better way? Because all of a sudden, you're starting to convince you're not quite what God was thinking about you. And down we go. And decisions were made, and here we sit today. So we go from Genesis to Jesus, and there's chaos. 
Now I will tell you in 2 Corinthians, it says that the eyes of them were blinded so they could not see what was written in the Old Testament. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes, he opens our eyes so we can now start unveiling the Old Testament to see what was really going on behind the scenes because everything from the Old Testament you read is just like, okay, they go in, they slaughter this nation. Boy, that sounds real forgiving. And then these unrighteous people, they just slaughtered them all. Okay, that's real unforgiving. And we start trying to measure, wait a second, God wasn't very forgiving in the Old Testament. And then we get all these challenges around us like, well, if God is so good, if he's all those things, why did he do all this stuff in the Old Testament? And pretty soon, what's going on? Animus towards God himself. But Jesus came and said, if you have seen me, you have seen the... So what did God look like in the Old Testament? Exactly what Jesus looked like in the New Testament. But what was going on in the Old Testament? There we were wearing a set of goggles, looking at everything differently. We couldn't see what was really going on behind the scenes. Case in point, go destroy the whole nation of Jericho. Don't let anyone live. Don't... don't, let anyone exist, everyone gets slaughtered, and then there's one woman that decides to believe in what God was, help the spies, and she, he, she happens to be the great-grandmother of King David. There you go. God's lineage is actually birthed out of the place everybody was slaughtered. So that gives you a heart. God was looking for people. It's just people wouldn't respond because of the bitterness of their own heart. Just a quick thought. So what it does... When the offense comes, it divides you from your source. It provokes you to step down from your position, changing the view of the world around you. How I look from up here is a whole lot different than how you're looking at me. It's just different perspectives. You're in an easier position. I am not. It causes us to surrender our power to the slavery of another. See, the moment the envy and the enmity and the unforgiveness takes birth, takes root in you, there's a big problem that begins to happen because you interpret everything through that lens. It owns you. Then you start getting people around you that share the same frustration. Then you get more around you, and then anybody else that's slightly different, you'll accept them until you hear their viewpoint. Then automatically this wall comes up. Those are extreme situations, or we tolerate them. Versus seeing what they really are. Just because of the decisions and beliefs they have doesn't change God's opinion of them. It may change how their outcome of their life is, but it doesn't change God's opinion. He loves them all the same. They haven't all received him. And we hit the struggle... The real heart of all this is the struggle of our worth and value. See, when you're offended and something takes root and unforgiveness takes place, what ends up happening is your value is what was challenged. Eve's value was beginning to be challenged. Am I really what God said? Am I really the thing that God created? Am I really that? Because why would he hold out on me? Why would he cause something that would take away from me? There was a young boy, grew up, grew up with a withered, partial withered arm. Dad was an abusive alcoholic, beat him severely and regularly, had a bad case of smallpox during an era when there wasn't much treatment, almost died, 
but it left his face pitted and marked as a result of the smallpox. His father died before he went on to school or to college, and his mom wanted him to go on to Bible school, so he did. Bible school, he learned about a God that was more distant, sovereign, disconnected, and the people, the kids in there kind of mocked him because he didn't fit the norm, and he was, they laughed at his face, and it just caused a lot of problems. True victim of life. Everybody could kind of have mercy on that, like, man, you've been, let's have the bully committee out. If they would have ran the bully thing in the program in the school, we wouldn't have had this issue. By the way, bullies never go away, I'm sorry to say, because the enemy's never going to stop hating you. So he goes on, but instead of dealing with it properly, ends up dropping out of school, let all that bitterness, and he made a decision, I'm going to remove those that have hurt me. I'm going to fix this so no one else has to experience what I experienced got together with a group that supported his ideas. And at the end of his life, over 25 million people were dead, and Joseph Stalin laid, was laid to rest. See, bitterness can go either direction. But I love what Joseph did. His response to this whole thing was hard. Joseph experienced the same thing, thrown into prison, betrayed, separated from the ones he loved, ripped of any authority and power, put on an auction block. I don't know what they did to him then, but they would search him to see what their value was, whether you're going on a worker in the field, whether I want your mind, just stripped of everything. The coat was stripped. Isn't that what the brothers took? They took the coat, dipped it in blood, and gave it back to his father. Take everything taken away. Goes, ends up in Potiphar's house, but he didn't let bitterness define him. He let his God define him. Because he didn't just receive a coat from his dad. He didn't just receive an inheritance from his dad. He remembered the words of Abraham. He received an inheritance from God, a position from God, a robe from God, and a name from God. I am of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he lived that way. To only find himself finally rising to the top, and then someone comes to try to sabotage it, Potiphar's wife. And he runs, and what does she end up with? His coat. You see, the enemy's after what you really are. And he's been after it since the beginning of time. And as long as he can get you to believe you're not there, as long as he can get you to believe you're less than, as long as he can ensnare you and letting someone else dominate you, even though you have a perceived sense of power about it, it's not a perceived, it's not real power. It's just a response to what's happening. So Joseph finds himself in prison. In prison, what was his response? I am of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he began acting out of his authority that was really given to him, and he began to run the prison. He began to run things going on there. It's really amazing to watch what God does when you take these concepts. There was a lady that worked in the, uh, when we first got into the uh, Chiang Mai probation department, um, she didn't like us. In fact, she really didn't like us. But her boss did, and in Thailand, you don't argue with your authority. We could, we could probably learn a few things from Thailand. Anyway, 
If your boss said it, that's just what you did. You don't, you don't argue about it, you just do it. So everybody's changing based on, because it's a based on a king's structure. If the king says it, that's the word. If the next in command says it, that's the word. If the next in command says it, that's the word. And you don't argue with it, it's just the word. It's kind of like the Bible. And so anyway, we have this, this, this woman, and we didn't know this at first, till about two years later, we're sitting at her house. She invited us over, we became good friends of her family. Um, it's been awesome. We could talk about things of God. We can go beyond the Buddhism. We, there's this relationship and animus that's completely broken. And she said this. She goes, I'll confess to you. I didn't like you guys. You're one of those Christians. Because you know all they do is come in here to take pictures, raise money, and leave. But they don't care about our people. And I thought you are just like them but you're willing to turn the camera off and not take pictures. You were willing to do the things to prove you had no other intent except to care for them. And then we went and served the person lowest at the government that we worked with, not getting all of our favor and rights by the one that brought us in. Because at some point they leave and then you get everybody else. And because of that, and they saw the fruit of it, they said, because I love you guys. Well, how can I help you get in? She's helped us get into another province to bring our program. It's all kingdom of God dynamics. Everything is, they're promoting it. But it begins with the fact that we didn't go in, well, man, if you're going to be offended with me, I'm going to be offended with you. I'll tell you about my Christianity and your Buddhism. And we start the dialogue and argument. Has anybody ever won one of those, by the way? Just curious. Love the political ones. Once the heat's up, it's like, what, why are we even doing this? No one's going to walk away any more changed than before. But something different is bigger and more powerful. And when you love and you can go to the heart of issue and lift people up who don't deserve to be forgiven, it doesn't mean lifting them up personally. There's people that are personal to you that need to be forgiven by you, but it doesn't mean you're responsible to go personally lift them up. But don't be surprised if God all of a sudden does send someone to personally lift them up. Because we have murderers throughout scripture that changed the world. We have Moses. We have the apostle. We have Saul who destroyed countless numbers of lives. He had people ordered to death because they didn't believe zealously the way he believed. And now he's the one turning and going back to those people. God has a way of doing something that's much bigger than what we know. But if we're free from it, then God also lifts us up. He doesn't forget Next verse, James 3.16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. See, the moment the enemy could come in and be, make you envious that they're even, whoever did something, that they could even exist, there's an envy that they have a higher ground than you have. Then the bigger problem starts is when self-seeking. I'm going to make myself up. And the Bible promises there's confusion confusion, and every evil thing are there. What's going on in our world? Envy and self-seeking. It's all at the core. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. I don't know if I put that one up there. Yep. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Martin Luther King Jr. 
He was never an activist out of anger. He was an activist to change something. And it did. It already started creating that. And what God wants you to know this morning, he's not asking you just to let go of something. What he's wanting you to do is to take on something. I'm going to skip to the second verse. It's Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. He's not asking you to do something to make it fearful if I let it go. He's not putting you back into bondage by asking you to do something. He's asking you to let go of something so he could lift you to a place that you were designed to be. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So what's his spirit telling you whenever the enemy comes in? His spirit's alive on the inside of us saying, this is who you are. 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 You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my favored. You, I, I, he's loving on you. Every time the offenses come in, if we'll quiet down, God will start speaking and he starts telling you who you are, who you are. Why is he doing that? Because if he can lift you, the fence has no power. His spirit cries, Abba, Father, restoring the heart of the father back to the child and his goodness towards them. For we are children of God and if children, then heirs. That's the robe. That's the authority. An heir has the authority of the family. And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. The suffering is not the enemy coming in and burying you in something. The suffering is you choosing to think a different way than what the enemy wants you to think. It is suffering. It is not easy. It is not easy to let go of that thing. But as the enemy wants you to embrace it, the moment you say no, all of a sudden you start seeing his glory and his glory is always the position for the beloved son. His glory of who you are starts emerging in the middle of that and all of a sudden light is chasing out darkness. Two minute story? Okay. Three minute story, sorry. We're working in the South Carolina jails when God really revealed this to me in a powerful way. And this young man, we were doing this, um, we, had a, we had a Bible study in there. Young man walks in. Come on, you know, there's just the ones that are like, oh God, does he have to be in here? I mean, you, you want him in there because you're talking about Jesus, but it's wrecking the flow of things. I mean, he really was frustrating me. He was, he was frustrating. It was his first day in jail. Of course, what do you expect? So I, I repent for having an opinion, but I, I did at that point. I don't anymore. Came in. On our way out, kind of had this attitude, and God spoke to me to say something. And before I could ponder it, did God really indeed say that? I let it out of my mouth. And I looked right at him, walked up, I walked up to him, looked right at him and said, I just want you to know God believes in you. I don't know what it is about you, but God believes in you. And something kind of awakened his countenance, and that's all I remember. Two weeks later, his life, I mean, he, he, he just changed. He was running Bible studies. Three weeks later, he's doing all this stuff. A month later, while he's still in jail, his court was being delayed for reasons. I never asked why they're there, because it really biases your opinion to who you're helping. 
because it's always someone who violently offended someone else some way or another, right? Because that's all you deal with, with is offend, people that are offenders. So he finally gets out, just his life is radically changed. There's this peace about him, there's this goodness. He's out mixing with groups that you don't normally group, engage with and they just love him. So finally I asked the chaplain, he goes, I have never seen a kid experience this. And we found out three days after I spoke to him, he got born again in another Bible study. Something clicked. A couple years later, I was looking him up and I found a newspaper article on what he did. 18 years old, had a baby girl, a baby with his girlfriend. Baby was about 18 months old, wouldn't stop crying, so he shook the baby till it stopped. Baby had brain hemorrhage. See, now when you know the other side of the story, it's like, man, you need to be punished for this. <laughs> But all of a sudden, the newspaper article went on to say, because he was in the day, three days later, the baby was getting ready to take off, be being taken off life support system. Because they're just gonna let the baby die because the baby couldn't live. But his parents said something, and it happened to be on the day that I spoke to him. His parents said, we've chosen to forgive him. The justice will take care of what the justice needs to take care of. At this point, we would just release him. But we're going to just keep praying for our, our granddaughter. The moment they took the baby off life support system was the day he got born again. And the baby started breathing. And the body function started working in the baby. And the baby started healing. They were letting it die. And life came back. See, sometimes this thing right here that we're dealing with, there's a much larger ramification than you have any idea, and you get to be involved on bringing life to something that was trying to kill you. That's forgiveness. That's what Jesus came to do so that way you weren't held account so he could lift you up so that way he could bring the true vengeance on the enemy of your life. Because vengeance does come, and you're not the target of it. Amen? So I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. There's people in this room that believe in God, love God, but they've really never let God forgive them. And I want to pray for you this morning, and I just want you to ponder that how deep, how far his forgiveness goes because he is just waiting for you to say, I receive, so he can be active to free you back to the position that you were designed to be. He wants you there. He's active. Then there's others that they have a story to tell. And what we're asking is if you will be willing to, God is, he wants are you willing to let God hold the internal angst of that whole thing so he can bring you to another place and just let justice and mercy flow over the scenario? And God will give you the wisdom to deal with all of the little things that need to happen with that. Because there's things that need to happen. But God wants you to do it from a place of power, not from a place of victimization. 
Father, right now, we just pray over every person in this room. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that your forgiveness, that you stood on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they have no idea what you do, what, what they're doing. But Jesus, as you went to the cross and experienced every, every possible offense that we could ever experience on this world, you experienced them all, yet you've chosen to forgive. We receive that this morning, that you've paid for 2,000 years ago and you're paying for all the way to the future. It's done, but we just receive what's already been given, Father. And Father, for those that have wrestled with this, holding these things, I pray, Father, that your love would go deep in their heart, lift them, let them see who, how you view them, let them see your value, let them see your worth, let them see what you think of them, and strengthen them to let go that you can bring the life that you've designed for their life and no more being dictated through the lens of this. In Jesus' name, amen.